the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, November the 29th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1910, British explorer Robert Scott, his ship Terra Nova, set sail from New Zealand, carrying Scott's expedition on its ultimately futile, it was also fatal, race to reach the South Pole first. They did not succeed. Today in 1929, Navy Lieutenant Commander Richard Byrd and pilot Brent Bulgin and, and the radio operator Harold June and the photographer Ashley McKinley, they did across the South Pole. They made the first airplane flight over the South Pole. They got pictures and everything. Today in 1947, the UN General Assembly passed a resolution calling for the partitioning of Palestine between Arabs and Jews. 33 members, this was 1947, today. 33 members, including the United States, voted in favor of the resolution. 13 voted against, while 10 abstained. The plan, however, was rejected by the Arabs and was never implemented. Today in 1961, Enos, the chip, he was uh, launched from uh, Cape Canaveral aboard Mercury Atlas V spacecraft, which orbited the Earth twice before returning. When it returned, Enos, the chimp, was just flying. Today, 1963, President Lyndon B. Johnson, he named a commission headed by Earl Warren to investigate the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And today in 2012... The United Nations voted overwhelmingly to recognize a Palestinian state, a vote that came exactly 65 years after the one I just mentioned a moment ago, after the General Assembly adopted a plan to divide Palestine into separate states for Jews and Arabs. The 2012 vote was 138 in favor, nine members, including the United States, voted against, and 41 abstained. This reflects on so much of what we're hearing now about the Jews being the oppressors in the land and so on. But the Arabs have never wanted their own land. They want it all. They don't want a part of it. And they're not going to accept a part of it. They're only going to accept it all. And all of it is not going to be theirs because God's word is very, very clear about the ownership of that part of the world. God gave it to the Jews. And I, it's, to some, I know this is very offensive, what I'm saying, but it's the truth. It is what it is. If you don't believe in God, then that's your problem, not ours or mine. God gave it to the Jews, and no one has taken it back since it was established again, formally, so that's really at the heart of this whole 
contest that we see going on in our world today. Anti-Semitism is just growing. People hate the Jews, and yet they're God's people that he chose to use to bring into the world, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, born in a manger, celebrated this coming month, Christmas, so on. What we hear in the media and what the perceptions that are put out there for us each and every day are most often not the truth. They're shaded, they're jaded, they're twisted, they're bent toward an agenda. And for the most part, it's not an agenda that's acceptable to the conservative and certainly not to the Christian. We must be informed, we must be aware of what's going on in our world. And that's why we do this program every day to the best of our ability to make you aware. We certainly can't cover everything that's happening in a half an hour, obviously, but we try to keep you aware of, and, and we stay aware of what's going on in our world as it relates, and it mostly all does, to our lives as Christians living in a foreign land, so to speak. We have our eternal, our eternal citizenship if we are, if we have accepted Christ, is with the Lord, and it's for eternity. But we need to know what's going on here and now in the world. The Bible is very clear. God has told us to be aware, to be, to be informed, and not be afraid. To stand, even if we've done everything and it doesn't seem like it's working out. Stand for what is right. Stand for the principles, the truth of God's word. Congressional Republicans are preparing to fight back by unleashing up to 150 subpoenas on liberals and Democrats. If Joe Biden's party in the Senate subpoenas conservatives who are friends and supporters of the Supreme Court justices appointed by Republican presidents, that is happening as we speak. This is underway. This subpoena fight is the latest battle in an ongoing war by the left. They're trying to get rid of Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. They want them off the court, or they want to try to get them off the court and then make the case that the court is so biased and so corrupt that they must add to it. Pack the court is the phrase. That's where this is going. They're not saying this, but that's where it's going. They are, um, in the last two couple of months, and I've talked about it a little bit on this program, they've been targeting, in particular, Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. They're investigating. They're even going after private citizens who are longtime personal friends of the justices, most especially conservative leader Leonard Leo and this large donor, this Republican donor, Harlan Crow, And uh, he's been a real friend to to Clarence Thomas over the over the years. This skirmish is driven by this Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. He's a Democrat from Rhode Island. And it looks like this could break wide open as soon as tomorrow. So we'll see. And if you begin to see this, it'll be it'll be twisted. It will not be as as it it won't be the truth as it's presented to the public through the media. They'll be telling you a different story. They'll be raising the questions. Did Clarence Thomas do something you know, wrong? Did he, 
Did he have inappropriate relationships with big money and what he was making decisions that would affect them? Well, the decisions the Supreme Court makes affects all of us, for goodness sakes. So that's what you're going to be hearing. It's coming. I'm I'm certain they're not going to get this settled today, and today it is boiling over. So we'll see what happens tomorrow, but be aware. Also, I noticed that China's having another epidemic, and I hope a bunch of them don't get on planes and come here. Um, Beijing's local education authority is sternly warning doctors and parents this weekend not to force sick children to attend school or assign overly burdensome homework to children who are ill. A response to a surge in child hospitalizations and respiratory illnesses throughout China. And China has a lot of people. Beijing, Shanghai, much of the Chinese Northeast, they've been experiencing a dramatic increase, this uh, news brief says, in the uh, number of diagnosed cases of pneumonia and hospitalizations of individuals diagnosed with respiratory disease in the past 30 days. These, uh, those cases have increased particularly among children compromising the communist state's education system and challenging overpopulated local hospitals. Well, perhaps here we go again. I guess the next thing we'll find out is that we can't report that Chinese has much of their kids all across the nation has pneumonia because that's not, we'll have to come up with a new name for it, I guess, and and not say that it's happening in China. I, uh, I say that tongue in cheek, but they're, they're fearless as they were with the coronavirus about blaming someone else and not allowing it to be called Wuhan virus, even though every other virus like that has been named by the location it was first discovered. But not in China. We can't have that. So we'll see where that goes. But they're having some problems there, and it's apparently out of hand. And usually when China has a problem, when they finally report on it, it's much, much worse than they're reporting. And in this case, they're saying it's pretty bad. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support of this ministry. It is uh, vital. We couldn't continue with it a month without your support. So I thank you for standing with us. These are perilous times. These are troubling times. These are important times. Many decisions are being made in our culture today, and I think the more that Christians are informed, the more we can be effective for the kingdom of God. So we try to do that, and we try to bring to you what's happening in the world from a biblical perspective. And so many of you write and say, thanks so much, keep the light on, you know, keep the truth out there, and so on. And I I thank you for that. And you write checks, and that allows us to continue to be on the air. We need your support. We need you to stand with us. So thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. In the November 7 election earlier this month, Ohio voters voted to codify abortion into the state constitution. So we ask ourselves, what does that have to do with me? I don't live in Ohio. Well, it has a lot to do with all of us because of the way it happened and the way it came down. Right after the election, when we realized that Ohio, a red state, generally pretty strongly leaning Republican, had codified abortion into their state constitution, we were surprised. I was surprised. 
I didn't think they would. There are some states that I think might that are kind of borderline, but I didn't think Ohio would. But exit polls, after people voted, coming out of the voting booth or whatever, not, of course, the mail-in ballots. That's a whole different matter. I suppose we'll be talking about that more in the coming months. But the exit polls show that many, including conservatives and Christians, were shocked that Ohio would ever codify abortion into the state constitution. They were shocked because of what I just said. But upon a closer look, they found that Ohioans had been deceived. Within 24 hours of many people voting, they said, oh my goodness, I didn't realize what I was voting for. They had been deceived. The ballot language referenced abortion, but mostly used euphemisms such as reproductive medical treatment or reproductive freedom. Have you ever noticed how the left has refined, they have almost perfected the art of using a bunch of words but not saying anything? Kamala Harris is is an example of that. In fact, even the press calls her little speeches from time to time a word salad. It's just a bunch of words. And if you follow it seriously, and many don't, But if you do, you walk away wondering, what did she say? Well, she didn't say anything. She didn't intend to say anything. She just wanted to appear to be saying things. She wanted to appear to be explaining in deep, unfathomable terms that the border is not open or whatever. And many in the electorate were deceived by these misleading words. And that's their own admission. I mean, they're talking about it publicly now. And I wanted to talk about it today for a few minutes on this program because it isn't just Ohio where they do this. (laughs) They're doing it all over the country. And there are a lot of people that are confused. I mean, I hear people in my own circles of friends and uh, people that I know will say, man, I didn't realize that was thus and so on issues like this? Well, I voted, you know, this, and I should have voted that. I hear that a lot, and I think many of us do, because people are simply not informed. This measure in Ohio was known as Issue 1. It passed by 58% of the vote. It says, an individual right to one's own reproductive medical treatment includes abortion, birth control, fertility treatment, The amendment is titled The Right to Reproductive Freedom with Protections for Health and Safety. As I said, the people were terribly misled. Issue 1 passed because abortion activists and outside Democrat donors ran a campaign of fear in Ohio. Very simple. This ballot measure, they said, has to pass or women will die. And they said it often, and they said it loudly, and they said it on every media outlet in the state of Ohio. And uninformed people said, wow, I don't want women to die. Well, nobody wants women to die. Of course not. Their pervasive lie that women will die without issue one was propped up by massive ad campaigns. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. A lot of it was funded by George Soros the left-wing media machine. They operated like Planned Parenthood's PR department. This um, Marjorie Dannenfelser, she's the president of of Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America, 
she 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 said their pervasive lie to women will die that will die was propped up by by big money like Soros and the left wing media and so on. She said the media failed to fact check this obvious lie. Well, I don't think they failed to. They didn't want to. They just didn't want to. And it revealed the black and white truth in Ohio's law, which clearly allows pregnant women to receive emergency care. Uh, Janet Felser says she said every every state allows care for women. I mean, it's though they're not going to have health care unless we advance abortion. And that's the lie that was put on Ohio. And people who were uninformed believed it. Conservatives, Republicans, Christians. Dan Felser said the truth is that every state in the country with a pro-life law allows for timely and necessary care for pregnant women in an emergency. She said that simply what they said is a lie. Pro-abortion groups plan to also put similar measures on the ballot in Arizona, Florida, and Missouri. That's why we're talking about it. There's no need really to do that in Washington or Oregon or California. But states that are like Arizona and others, that's what they're looking at. Florida. Susan Bain, she's a medical doctor. She's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She got a hold of this, and she wrote an article. It was very passionate. I want to share parts of that article with you because this is coming from, she is a board-certified obstetrician gynecologist. She's practiced medicine in North Carolina for 25 years. She's a board member of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Here's what she had to say about the Ohio abortion deception. And I'm going to quote some uh, of what she said. There, she said more than this, but I'm going to quote parts of it for you so you'll have a sense of where this woman doctor is coming from. And she's very passionate about it. She said exit polls in Ohio clearly show that most voters opposed unlimited abortion on demand. Yes, that's what 58% of the Ohioans voted with the passage of Issue 1 on November 7th. Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights and its allies persuaded a lot of people who believe in limits on induced abortion to vote in favor of abortions of pre-born children who could survive outside the womb using a barbaric dilation and evacuation procedure in which babies are dismembered. She said, while the procedures permitted by Issue 1 are extreme, the messaging to persuade people to vote for it was not. The messaging appealed to all voters with a message that resonated with the shared values of conservatives in the red state, as well as that of moderates and liberals. That's why they're going to repeat it. Back to my quote of what she said. As a physician who has practiced OBGYN care that embraces both patients, the mother, and their child, I'm alarmed that some of my fellow doctors colluded with abortion extremists and messaging specialists to promote the narrative that abortion limits restrict the care that we are able to give our patients. She said that narrative is harmful to women, their babies, and the practice of medicine. She said so many of my patients and patients of other doctors who practice life-affirming care come to us with the same story. 
My child has a life-limiting condition, and the only option given to me has been to abort. Dr. Baines says, one time I delivered two babies by cesarean section. One passed away eight, eight hours later. The other is thriving to this day. The mother treasures the time she was able to spend with the twin who only lived eight hours after he was born. She knows both pre- and post-Roe v. Wade. Most obstetricians and gynecologists, 76% to 93% of us, she says, have been provided exceptional have been providing exceptional health care for both our maternal and fetal patients without doing induced abortions. She said, we know how to do our jobs. We're trained and desire to partner with our maternal patients during low risk and high risk pregnancies alike to protect both of our patients from harm. And there is no law in our country that prevents us from doing so. It's a lie. It's all a lie. Yes, there are times, she said, when we must prematurely separate our maternal and fetal patient, and the unintended consequence is the death of our fetal patient. That's completely different, however, from an induced abortion because our intention of the intervention is to separate and save them both, if possible, not to intentionally end the life of one of them, talking about the mother and child in the womb. Women deserve health care in which doctors can be trusted to try to save both the woman and her preborn child. It is unfair to women to end the life of their preborn child without presenting them with all the options. She said, too many times I have spoken with women who are told they needed to have an induced abortion when there were other options, including expectant management, waiting with careful monitoring and prenatal palliative care or hospice for a baby with a life-limiting condition. Women are harmed when they cannot trust their doctors to tell them about all their options, the doctor says. Doing that includes connecting them with tangible resources that address any socioeconomic barriers they face that often lead to a decision to have an induced abortion. Here's the takeaway from all of this. that We should know that. And as I said, it doesn't apply in deep blue states where the leftists are running the state and destroying it in the process, the culture. If you don't believe me, drive through downtown Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, etc. It's a disaster. And they're going to, every time an election comes up in these states, they just, they say, well, we need a change. So they elect someone just like they've got with a different name and a different, you know, perspective on it, but it all comes down to the same thing. Americans do not have to say yes, this doctor says, to state ballot initiatives to constitutionalize induced abortion to protect themselves or their daughters, their girlfriends, or their wives. Doctors don't have to harm our fetal patients to take care of our maternal patients. She said what doctors do and have to do, however, is allow their voices to be heard. She said, well, there are some doctors in Ohio against issue one who were willing to speak up. She said, most, many of them, remain silent, quiet. They didn't want to mess with their career. Yes, it's scary to put yourself out there when we live in a society that would rather resort to name-calling than make a persuasive argument. Yes, it's scary to work for employers who threaten your right to free speech. Yes, it feels like you're alone, but please know that you are not alone. 
She said, most of my colleagues do not practice induced abortion and do not believe abortion is essential health care. My colleagues across all different kinds of practices and states leave abortion to a small group of providers and shouldn't let this small group drown out our voices. See, this is the problem. We have the, the, the left, the far left, the extreme left, has control of the media. Maybe not formal control, but they don't need a formal agreement. They just have it. And the media will run with their stories and they will craft their words every single day to mislead the public and to advance their narrative. And I know that narrative is an overused word, and it is, but it's a good word. It describes their narrative. And the media is so focused on this. I know. I've been inside of it. I know what they do. I know their conversations. And I see it day in and day out. It, local kids reading the news, in some cases, in small markets, they're reading words. They don't understand, but they believe in the, in the philosophy of it because they've been indoctrinated in public education. This doctor, this doctor said, Courage is contagious. It's time to be courageous. I agree with her. So do you. Pro-abortion groups plan to also put these similar measures on the ballot, and they have already announced Arizona, Florida, and Missouri. It's interesting how we lack courage in some of the most important moments of our lives and that of our communities. J.R.R. Tolkien said, It is not the strength of the body that counts, but the strength of the spirit. Many, many, many people have talked about courage over the years. The Bible is very open and very vocal about courage. Even John Wayne talked about courage. He said, Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. <laughs> I think we need to saddle up. We're not going to get rid of our fear. There's always that concern about losing your career. There's always that concern about being somebody putting a check mark by your name in your community or whatever, like he's one of them. I know that. Believe me, I know that. Courage to me is doing something daring, not, no matter how afraid, insecure, intimidated, alone, unworthy, incapable ridiculed or whatever other paralyzing emotion you might feel courage is taking action no matter what so you're afraid be afraid be scared silly to the point you're trembling and nauseous but do it anyway Reichel Goodrich made that statement Dale Carnegie said inaction breeds doubt and fear action breeds confidence and courage if you want to conquer fear do not set it home and think about it go out and get busy Franklin D. Roosevelt a Democrat, of all things. <laughs> he said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Winston Churchill said a lot about courage, but he said this. He said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. <laughs> so we got to sit down and become informed, but we need to speak out is what he's saying in my view. And he also said, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts.
The Bible says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God it is he that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. At least 30 times the Bible says to be of good courage. Joshua heard that again and again and again. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.